Hello and welcome to the Grazia Fashion Podcast, Why I Wear It. I'm your host, Laura Antonia Jordan, Fashion and Lifestyle Features Director at Grazia. I love to talk fashion, but even more, I love to talk about the thinking and feelings behind why we wear what we wear. Kind of like a therapy session, but just with slightly better clothes. This week, I'm speaking to Catherine Ormerod, journalist, influencer, former Grazia girl, and the author of Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life. Catherine's writing and her Instagram really resonate with people thanks to their honesty and relatability. I've known KO for over a decade and can confirm that she is not only one of the kindest, but also one of the most glamorous people I know. In this episode, she talks all about the realities of influencing and being influenced. Be whoever you want to be. You can change up who you are. You can dress for the job that you want, not for the one you've got. You can experiment. The liberation of making an effort. You know, at least like when I'm on the street, I feel like, oh, you know, I've got a, a little bit more of an elevated vibe going on. I'm just not really a tracksuit kind of gal. And not being afraid of a little boom. There we go. I wore a sheer bodysuit. I did have a blazer over the top most of the night, so it wasn't like I was generally walking around with my boobs in. But, you know, there were a few nip slips here and there. Big deal. <laughs> Welcome, Catherine Ormerod. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. It is always a pleasure. We've known each other for a long time. How long do you think? It's 10 plus now, isn't it? I think once it's 10 plus, you kind of just like relax into, you know, it's like childhood friend. (laughs) Yeah, it's, um, I can definitely say that Catherine has seen me at my worst, hopefully at my best. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us today. I love everything that you have to say, your, your honesty, not just as a friend, but it's something that really comes across in your social media and your writing work and your perspective on clothes and fashion is so fresh and interesting and relatable. And the first question I always ask everybody is, why are you wearing what you're wearing today? Okay, so generally I have a lot to do in my day. I'm running around doing lots of different tasks. So I normally dress for like all eventualities, but I knew I was staying in today. So I am wearing a cashmere jumper, one of about 20 that I own. They're all very similar from Uniqlo. I have gray in V-neck, roll neck, crew neck. Yeah. So three and a cardigan, the same in camel, the same in black. This happens to be a pale pink. It was a limited edition this season. <laughs> but for me, this is how I roll through winter, especially when I'm spending a day at home, which means I'm, you know, a, a stay at home mum for half of the week. So my baby is upstairs asleep. But I've got a really nice pair of jeans on and some, you know, a, a chic pair of uh, shearling lined boots. So if I am going out, you know, at least like when I'm on the street, I feel like, oh, you know, I've got a a little bit more of an elevated vibe going on. I'm just not really a tracksuit kind of gal. I'm finding it very hard to grind into action (laughs) in 2022. I was actually just about to say, is it 2022? (laughs) It is, it is, yeah. I'm very much in hibernation mode. Right. And something I think is, I'm finding it hard to get motivated to make an effort. I feel like you're someone that's quite good at 
making an effort to some extent. Is that fair? Has that changed at all? A hundred percent. I know it hasn't changed at all. And it, but it's all self like serving. I, you know, I really like to feel good. <laughs> like I'm all about the self-care, all about, you know, popping the cork, like putting a mask on, doing whatever it is that makes you feel good. And for me, that has always been having a great outfit on and feeling like I've put something original together, feeling like I look in the mirror and I look like myself. Even if not a single soul is going to see me, it gives me a lift that helps me get through the day. So you know, I want to feel good. So I make the effort. Why feel worse when you could feel better? You know, that's yeah, actually the Honourable Liz Hurley once said that. And ever since I heard it, <laughs> I, I have said it many times and she's right, you know, and okay, sure. You maybe don't need to be wearing a ball gown every day, but just, you know, something that makes you feel like, oh, this is lovely. And you're just going to feel better. So what is your version of like a best self outfit? What is something that you've worn in the last couple of years where you felt like I nailed it? I don't know. I think it's it's got to feel like it's got all of my signatures in it. Firstly, it needs to generally be something that's not new. I think that's really key. It's something that's a couple of seasons old and I'm like, oh yeah, still rolling. You know, and I think that's a nice pat on the back for yourself. You made a good decision. It's, you know, seasonless. It's continuing, obviously, with the sustainability ideas in mind as well. I think that's something that's really important. For me, it's something that makes me feel, I'd say, feminine, but in a little bit of a saucy way, but still appropriate for pretty much every environment. (laughs) So it's like that little wink. So, you know, so maybe showing a bit of decolletage or like a nicely nipped waist or something that just makes you feel a little bit fa-va-voom without being OTT. I felt like sexy dressing was something that we looked down on for a long time. It was considered a bit naff or a bit mm. reality TV. And now... Absolutely. Like, I'm too old to be considering those thong trousers, but... <laughs> Here I am. Are you? I'm not sure you are, babes. You know, Kim Kardashian's in her 40s. Like, you got the time. If you want to wear the thong trousers, you wear the thong trousers. That's what I say. Well, you know what? Some of us still have Maybe to. Maybe this weekend. It's a debut. <laughs> Watch out, North London. A particular pocket of North West London is about to get shot. <laughs> the, the Tesco Metro uh, deserves this. I actually got ID'd yesterday. That's a side note. (laughs) You take it. You take it where you can get it these days, babe. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, that was a digression. I wanted to talk about, so our former guest, Camille Charrier, and one of your Mm -hmm. best friends just got married. Yes, she did. And Catherine went on the bachelorette. I did, yeah. And mama got (laughs) sexy. I did, definitely. Was that a departure, Catherine? (laughs) Do you know what? Not really. So this is the thing. I grew up between London and Munich, i.e. Germany, okay? And obviously times have changed. But when I was growing up there, like a level of nudity was very normal. You know, we'd go to, you know, the the river or the, the, you know, outdoor swimming pool by our house and you would see it all. Willies, bums, you know, boobs, everything. I actually went and I was working there 
in like my late teens and early 20s and I went out for lunch with my colleagues and two of the girls took their top off in like a grassy knoll <laughs> you know because it was a bit of sunshine that was kind of the atmosphere of how I was brought up and I've always been very comfortable with my nakedness now that's not saying that I haven't had any body issues in the past but it's almost like those two things have always been distinct for me and um you know my I would say at home I'm a naked person you know when my brother lived with me it was a big problem for him (laughs) (laughs) so I've never really been like ashamed of nudity or felt prudish about anything like that while at times I have felt insecure about my figure and you know shape and form and things like that you know that the two have always been separate for me so when Cammy was like oh I've got this Nancy body you know would you like to try it on she's like well but you can't really wear a bra underneath it I was like oh whatever you know spent most of the year breastfeeding back to kind of my normal self let's go for it why not so you know there we go I wore a sheer bodysuit I did have a blazer over the top for most of the night so it wasn't like I was generally walking around with my boobs in but you know there were a few nip slips here and there big deal (laughs) (laughs) Well, I actually do need to wear a bra and I have one of those tops and I wore it to the pub on a, a Wednesday night recently. Right. How did that go for you? And my friend said, have you had a post-COVID glow up? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, I'm just desperate. <laughs> <laughs> I've got no time left for mixed messages. <laughs> yeah. Would you say that, you know, you have a big following on social media And part of that is showing what you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. Can you predict an outfit that is going to do well? Absolutely. What do the people like? So firstly, nothing too fashionable. (laughs) Right. So if you go out there with like a new trend, it's probably going to bomb. And, you know, I think we know that having worked in magazines all these years, you put a new trend out there and it takes the eye a while to get used to it. And Mm. there might be a bit of pushback and a bit like, oh, God, isn't this awful? And then six weeks to eight weeks later, you see it everywhere on the street because people have got used to the idea and aesthetically pushed some different boundaries and start to feel comfortable with something. So I feel like if you do something too early, at least for my audience, because it's not like a, a big catwalk, you know, sitting there clicking, clicking, clicking through Vogue.com or whatever. Um, It isn't that kind of audience. I feel like if you push too many boundaries, probably not going to like it. You know, it can be saucy, again, but not overly sexualized in general. I feel like, and that's also because I have like 98.5% women following me. I've got a tiny, tiny, tiny male following. (laughs) Obviously, I offer them nothing. You know, what they don't realise that there are occasional nipples to be found, you know, on the second picture of other things. Exactly. (laughs) You know, if you're a loyal follower. (laughs) Exactly. All of those screen grabs they could have been taking. Um, Yeah. um, (laughs) You know, generally, I think that that's the kind of sweet spot, that it's something that's maybe like somewhat suggestive, but not over the the top. Um, And I think like anything that looks effortless. I know it's like sounds like a, such a catch-all word, but um, you know that that sense of nonchalance and thrown on, and that it just all fits together, and the idea that I haven't sat there, 
you know, really, really trying on 60 things to put it on or that it feels like head to toe designer mm. and a bit try hard, like those kind of things don't do very well. As much as I still have a lot of time for those kinds of things, personally, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. I think generally we all respond to something that looks really natural. And that's generally what does best for me. You just mentioned about working in magazines and you used to work at Grazia. Catherine did the job that I do now. Yeah, I did. How do you think you found your groove in the fashion world? What were the things that you found most? I, I, I actually was talking about you the other day to someone and just saying like, I find Catherine's has this sort of innate confidence that really shows, but obviously there's vulnerabilities there as well. There are for all of us. Mm. How did you find your kind of your mojo, if you like, because it's really exposing going to the the shows and the all of that, you know, the dinners that. and all of that. Well, look, I don't think I really found my mojo till I left magazines, Soz magazines. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. So it was in 2014 I left and I went off. Was it that long ago? It. Gosh, it was. Yeah, a range of other things. I think that I was never, at least I never hit my stride professionally while I was on magazines. I don't think that anyone really thought I was a very good writer. I definitely didn't think I was a particularly good one. I had my time to shine on magazines, but it was much more about like my ability to network and get out there. And when I started at Grazia, actually Jane Bruton, who was the editor at the time, part of my job was to set up an Instagram account to be kind of like the face of the fashion team. And at the time, my handle was Catherine Grazia. So when I got the job, I had to get rid of my BlackBerry, get an iPhone, download Instagram, because I hadn't done anything like that until I got my job at Instagram. So um, uh, Grazia. So if I hadn't had that job, I probably wouldn't be working on social media now. And at the time, I found it really dislocating because there was such a narrative within the industry that it's like if you're doing this, you know, blogging or Instagram thing, no one's going to take you seriously. You'll never, you know, get all the good interviews. Raph Simmons will never want to speak to you. <laughs> you know, like very much that kind of there are the serious fashion journalists and then there are these silly girls who are posting pictures of their outfits and it's really embarrassing. So that was still the kind of vibe. So when that was part of my job, I was like, oh God, am I, you know, never going to have a future in this world? <laughs> Lol. <laughs> in retrospect, what, you know, obviously, but we didn't know, you know, it was, it was a long time ago. Yeah. I don't think Instagram will ever really take off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. We've got a friend that actually did a dissertation entitled, um, the internet is not ever going to be a success. So, you know, <laughs> it's a great dissertation in the 90s, went really well. <laughs> but, you know, it's so easy in retrospect to be like, oh, yeah, of course, that's the way media was evolving. But as it was happening, as everything was in flux, you really didn't feel that there were any certainties at all. So anyway, I got started doing all the Instagram stuff. And then I think very much it was like I had a like very difficult time in my life because my husband left me overnight and I got ghosted by my husband, which is, you know, an extraordinary thing to happen in anyone's life. I never spoke to him ever again from that day and he left, you know, with the shirt on his back. So I was like, okay, you know, 
in some ways like made a line in my life the the time that I could pretend everything was perfect in my life and the time that there was like literally no plasters that I could put over it like it was bare so there was no point pretending you know I might as well be straightforward and transparent and that's really I think where I found my voice as a writer and I think that then translated in lots of ways to the self-confidence that I have in the way that I dress and you know, when I go to Fashion Week now, like I'm going to New York in a, a few weeks' time, I'm definitely not thinking, what should I wear to get someone to take a picture of me? Or what should I wear to keep up with X, Y, and Z? I'm still not the person that's thinking, what should I wear to keep me warm? Like, <laughs> I haven't gone to the other end of the spectrum. It's not like I suddenly became practical or like one of those utilitarian, like dressed in black, everything goes with each other. Like, there's still some you know stuff going on but it was much more about pleasing myself and you know knowing that there were pictures that I'd want to post on my feed rather than something that someone else would be like oh that would be a great picture for I don't know a Grazia street style spread or whatever like Mm. all that noise kind of went away yeah I think you know that the two went so hand in hand together and don't get me wrong like we all have crises of confidence and I think being a new mum like I've had two kids in between and like a late-term miscarriage and like my body changed and you know there's obviously moments in in those that time as it were that I haven't felt the same mojo like it's taken me a while to get back on it and sometimes you go through periods on Instagram where what you're doing doesn't resonate with your audience and while it doesn't like hurt me personally, it makes you worried about your business because obviously if you're professionally popular <laughs> and you become less popular, that's, you know, potentially damaging for your, you know, your your future and your the opportunities that you can have. So there definitely are moments there that I'm like, okay, maybe I need to listen, maybe I need to think a little bit about what I'm posting or what I'm wearing. But overall, you know, like you can't make it up <laughs> you know you can't you can only be who you are you know when you're wearing something every day and posting a picture every day like you can't be a forced version of yourself it's going to come out in the end <laughs> so you might as well roll with what you have and find the people that like what they see and see something in the way you dress and relate to it and build a community around that because that's you know something based on something that's real is always going to be more successful than anything else you you very generously touched on some quite traumatic, well, very traumatic moments. And, oh, I forget tearful. <laughs> One of the reasons that this podcast came about was because I wrote an essay last year about what clothes meant to me um, when Cam died. And that's my brother-in-law and Catherine knew Cam yeah. well. And she knows my sister, Olivia. And getting dressed through that and heartbreak as well at the same time was a real source of strength, actually, Mm. to me. Mm. And a sort of reminder that each day is a blessing and it's worth showing up for to some extent. Exactly. Well, I have a two-part question because, well, first of all, it's like what have clothes meant to you in times of difficult times because I do feel like people either go one or two ways you either give up and don't see the point or you can kind of double down on the the turning up Mm. and also I just remembered and 
someone commented at the time that I was selfish and silly and there was like much more important things to be thinking about than clothes. So after that, I'd like to touch on how do you deal with the, the noise as, as you just described it, you know, the, and what advice you would give to other people who, who are letting opinions get in the way. Mm. And especially as social media, even if we've got a following of a hundred or a hundred thousand or whatever, people, you're aware of like an audience, you know? Yeah, of course. Well, I think on the on the first side of the question, I mean, I'm absolutely a double downer. Like if I wake up in the morning and I feel rubbish or like I've got a sore head from, you know, whatever I was doing the night before, number one, full face on, full face on, red lipstick, you know, do a real look, something with a waist and a, a, a you know, a, a belt um, some kind of like upgraded shoe. There is no converse involved. Like it's got to be a look. <laughs> and I've always felt that it like, you know, you could be walking down and feeling green inside, but when you walk down the street, everyone would be like, oh, she looks great. And I completely, you know, misdirecting the, <laughs> the truth of the matter by being like, yep, you know, I'm using this as my armor because do you know what? Honestly, I can't really face today today <laughs> I'd prefer to be hidden up in my duvet but I gotta leave so this is how I'm gonna deal with it and I think that's always you know there's endless talk about fashion being armor and I do truly believe that it, it is for me at least at least your self-expression offers the opportunity to create an armor from the world it definitely has helped me through lots of times I think you know in difficult times especially you know, I think one of the hardest things when we talk about like a post-birth or if you've lost a baby, that kind of thing, one of the most difficult things is your body isn't the same. And dressing in that context can be really, really difficult, especially if you've gone from, you know, when we terminated my pregnancy, I was 21 weeks pregnant. That's five months. I was like, looked really pregnant. Um, and then, you know, there wasn't a baby two days later and but my body was still like and then you're like well I need to get dressed to feel good actually there's nothing that fits because I can't wear the pregnancy stuff you know the pregnancy jeans don't fit anymore because there's no baby pushing the belly out but equally none of my clothes from before fit so I found like that one of the hardest times because it's like my solution my place that I went to help resolve, you know, the, the the feelings that sometimes I had and the place that I went to find my confidence and try and draw back my mojo and improve my mood and all of those stuff was suddenly not available. And, you know, I found that really tough. And then, I, you know, through that whole five or six years that I've been pregnant and not pregnant and pregnant and not pregnant, I've built this amazing wardrobe of things that really do go up and down with you. And that was like the beginning of that, I think. Just started buying like tight knit dresses with stretch, for example, heavily pleated trousers that you can either pull up around your waist or have to hang on your hips. A bunch of clothes, which, you know, kind of grew and in and out with me. And that meant that in the end, when whatever happened with my figure and stuff, there was something that I could fit into. Because it is that is a really, really difficult feeling, especially if you've been confident with clothes and suddenly you get to your wardrobe and you actually, you know, you could wear leggings. 
you know, or like athleisure. But as I said, it's not really my vibe. So it was that I found a really, really difficult thing. And that was kind of my solution to that conundrum, I think. And, you know, as as I found myself getting back to myself more and more in my old life, and, you know, I've got one year old now, it's just like that confidence that clothes gives you, like day by day, step by step, increasing, increasing. And, you know, until you end up in Berlin in the club at 6am wearing a sheer bodysuit, you know, it's like, how hard can you push this thing? <laughs> but, you know, that's been such a such a journey from feeling so despondent and sad about things all the way through to you know where where I am now and clothing is such a reflection of that it's helpful but also it's a mirror to your feelings I think as well yeah my my enjoyment and appreciation of clothes has increased so as you know I've always been a big spender (laughs) but my enjoyment and appreciation of them has gone up so much since I got sober six years ago because I've actually as well they've been part of me learning more about myself and finding genuine confidence rather than relying on drink and drugs for that you know a splashy label would do something for my confidence in a sort of quite shallow way but ultimately I'd probably lose or wreck whatever it was anyway (laughs) definitely I mean I think that's that really hits the nail on the point like a gorgeous piece of clothing it shouldn't be something that you hide behind. It should be a reflection, you know, of your confidence rather than give you confidence. You know, I think that's that's when you know that it feels right and it's one of those things that you're going to end up keeping and wearing forever because it isn't something that, you know, is camouflaging you or it's not a prop. Although, you know, there's still a space for that, absolutely. But, you know, the things that I've ended up keeping are just the ones that I feel like is a reflection of my best confident self. What advice would you give to, you know, Instagram, social media, but also you mentioned street style. Right, the the, the noise, yeah. I feel like all these things play in, right? And there's noise, as you said. How would you, what would you, I'm glad I didn't grow up with it, to be honest, but what advice would you give to somebody? Yeah, well, I agree. Like I was fortunate enough to get to a place where I was comfortable enough with myself to like LOL a lot of the messages that are sent to me. You know, you know, one of the things that I get a lot is people telling me how great my hair used to look. <laughs> <laughs> it's things like that like you look so good back then I'm like (laughs) cool anyway you know and you know you get a lot of that there's a lot of like backhanded compliments and like I don't know like a lot of passive aggression goes on in like seemingly not aggressive or offensive things that actually when you like take it apart you're like oh that's that's not so kind I mean look I don't have a huge circle of friends, but if any of them have something to say to me and they are able to say it to me in like a gentle way, I would always be open to any conversation. And, you know, I would hope that I could be self-aware enough to walk away from it and have that moment of introspection and be like, oh, maybe they are right. Maybe I shouldn't have said X or maybe by wearing or putting this message out, you know, I'm doing something that I hadn't perceived I was. But if it's just like, you know, a random follower who 
sends me a DM that goes into like my junk file and I read something, I'm like, <laughs> not being funny. Like, why would I have that have an impact on anything in my life? You know, I have a separate baby account. And someone once said to me, asking and reading and listening to advice that you get sent, you know, both good and bad. Sometimes I got some fantastic advice through my mum account, but it would be akin to walking out onto the high street and going, what does someone think I should do about nipple shields? (laughs) And then just listening to what everyone walking by said to you. I mean, you would never do that. You would literally never do that. (laughs) I might actually. (laughs) I usually ask around until I get the advice, giving me permission to do the bad thing I wanted to do. (laughs) Oh, Laura, I'm well aware of that situation. (laughs) It's like, you've asked me nine times. I'm not going to say that's okay. (laughs) But, um, you know, in general, I think it's really keeping a hold of if someone knows you and you know them, you have a great relationship and you respect and value their advice, then absolutely tune into that, lean into that, because that's where you're going to find, you know, new perspectives potentially. And that's how you grow as a person. But randomly taking on opinions of people, which, especially when it's style advice, like sometimes I'm like, you know, I have been doing this for 15 plus years. I've, exerted a huge amount of effort in like training my eye and going to you know I don't know like 30 seasons worth of fashion shows I have a master's degree in fashion history and theory sure okay what you might think about my outfit or how I've done my hair or whatever you could say that's not to my taste but I truly don't believe that you can say it's bad or wrong or you know because ultimately it's something that's been considered and not saying I'm some expert or I'm in an ivory tower, but I, you know everything that I generally think about when I put together, it's come from like a place of experience and love and passion. And absolutely, horses for courses. Like, don't follow me. Don't buy anything that I like or wear. That's completely cool. I'd love for everyone to have their own original, individual take. But don't be like pissing on my parade. <laughs> what I mean, like. It's really that I find really, really tough, you know, and it's I don't feel like if you had a master's degree in politics or biology and you'd had a career of 15 plus years and you, you know, were had written books and been no one's going to be like, mate, you don't really know anything about biology. You've got no biology style. You'd be like, well, hang on a minute. You might not like what I'm saying or you might not support my research but you wouldn't say I was just shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But we don't take fashion seriously and we don't take people who have education or careers in fashion as experts. You know, it isn't, of course, there are elements of that that isn't true because, you know, probably my career on social media is predicated on having had a background in fashion. But, you know, I mean, in general, as a public style is seen as something that's cheap and that anyone could have and that is true to to a certain point of course but it doesn't mean that studied style and considered style and passionate style and someone that's made style their entire career should just be poo-pooed as an influencer and just as a woman Mm -hmm. with wi-fi connection Do you ever find yourself getting influenced? Oh my God, of course. Even by like ubiquity as well of like, you've just seen something enough. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And like, obviously, we're all influenced by osmosis and the people around us. And you are the company you keep. And the reality is, in social media, our circles are very wide. So you are going to be influenced, especially the thing with aesthetics is so much of it is subconscious. And there are codes and, you know, signifiers of all different things, which mean things to us, which is so deep, you know, it, it could be something to do with wanting to have a middle class life. And suddenly this print by this young artist based in Paris is a thing you need on your wall to make the color palette, which at the moment means you're a middle class person you know make it work and in your head all you're thinking is oh I really like that and you're not sitting there deconstructing the fact that actually you've probably seen it twice on different feeds of different people and then maybe it was in a TikTok video maybe it was on a you know a picture on Vogue and you put it all together and that is the you know the the psychology and philosophy behind any form of consumerism you're always looking to buy something and own something because it means something to you and that's so it's so complicated you know it can go through so many different levels and I am endlessly inspired is the positive word (laughs) you know the reality is influenced (laughs) by what other people have and buy and wear and you know that there's amazing things to that but as you noted it can lead to a monolithic culture where there's so much ubiquity in the things that we consume in our homes and the way we, you know, dress. And, you know, that does make you very much look back to your teens. You couldn't just buy X. You know, I always think about Clueless. I think I was like 12 or 13 when it came out and I was obviously obsessed. And I desperately, desperately wanted to have like a tartan skirt and jacket I didn't have many friends. What can I say? You know, I was very, very <laughs> into style already at this point. And I looked through so many like charity shops and everything. You know, we didn't have the internet or smartphone to go and like look for anything. I spent like weeks and weeks and weeks trying to source these things. And I never managed to. I remember that I finally found like a strappy pink mini dress from Tammy Girl that I wore with like a shrunken t-shirt and I put a pink ribbon in my hair and I wore knee like white knee-high socks to approximate the vibe so I think that's very much like we had cultural touch points and we could approximate through inspiration outfits now you can like copy them bona fide exactly the same thing you know you are a facsimile of that influence like inspiration and influence and that's the difference you can literally click like one you can press an image and it can be yours whereas we had that sort of thrill of the hunt we did have the thrill of the hunt and also just by dint of the fact that these things weren't available and it was you know tricky to to find anything it meant that you had to be original because it would be very rare that you you know, in that quest would find the exact same thing as anyone else. You know, I rarely can remember turning up somewhere wearing the same thing as other people. Whereas I feel like from about 2012, it happened quite a lot. You know, it has happened to me. You have to take a picture and post it. 
you know, that's the only way around wearing the same thing as someone else at an event, <laughs> you know, but it is, it's definitely something that I struggle with. And the biggest problem is to, you can think that you've walked away from those ubiquitous influences and you can think, right, I'm shutting it all out. I'm just going to go off and be guided by what I like. But ultimately, social media has eroded elements of your own original take on style and has become like the 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 backdrop to your own aesthetic appreciation in a way that you can't just shed you know it's molded what you like until you think that you liked it it's like trying to persuade them you know someone to do something and make them believe it's their own idea it's that kind of vibe and I think that that there's something really sad in that and nefarious of course as well from a social media provider perspective but you know it's definitely something that saddens my heart to an extent and I you know I read something that it was like the memification of human experience and I was like oh god that is exactly what it is you know and you you can imagine like the starter kit for a 35 year old woman who lives in London now you could just like put all of the things together that would be on that meme, you know, exactly where they would all come from. And, you know, she'd be painting her sitting room sage green and it would just, you know, so much becomes basic, right? (laughs) It's a very short line from something being new to basic and cliche, but Mm. some some cliches are cliches for a reason, right? Because they're good. (laughs) Well, exactly. And it is damn easy. You know, I I've saved a lot of time in comparison to my 12, 13 year old self <laughs> who had the bandwidth to walk up and down high streets. I used to go shopping for five or six hours. Imagine. <laughs> well, now you don't have time because you have a house full of beautiful boys. Do they have any opinion on what you wear? Absolutely not. They're not interested at all. They Gray definitely hasn't <laughs> got to the point where he cares about. He's he's very specific about how something feels on his skin. So, you know, it's not natural fiber, not quite, <laughs> but you know, it's, um, it's all tactile. Um, so he doesn't, you know, he's just about to be four. Things could change. A diva in the making. But my partner obviously cares a lot. He has a menswear degree. So, you know, he's, I, people are always like, oh, you know, did you have to change the way your partner dressed? I'm like, as if. Yeah. Like, I was trying to change the way I dress. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest boy has an opinion for sure. Oh my God. He's got an opinion. So who would you say? Who would you say you dress for? Oh, a hundred thousand percent myself. Unless it's something very specific for work. And, you know, there are sometimes elements of what is like expected for certain events or whatever. Or, you know, you're working with a brand and it's something that you've brought your taste to, but maybe not a hundred percent what you would have gone out and been like, I have to buy X, Y, or Z today. But aside from that small parameter, I mean, a hundred percent myself, who cares, you know, like just wear it, just like be happy, make yourself happy, brighten up your day, fulfill yourself. You know, it's an amazing freedom that we have and that we didn't used to have, you know, and it's something that we should all take advantage you know, of course, buying clothes isn't free. But if you go to your wardrobe with things you already own, it's like a free way to mood boost. Well, my final question, and I feel like that might lead into it, is 
again, something I ask everybody, why do clothes matter? Clothes matter because they are your external expression of self. Like at the end of the day, I know that sounds like very academic and wordy, but it's how you define yourself to the rest of the world. And if you don't believe clothes matter, how can you believe you matter? You know, and it's, that is you know, the face that you put on to the rest of the world. And while, you know, there's part of me, especially in the summer, that would be like, it'd be great if we could all be naked. (laughs) You know, the reality is you're going to get arrested. So you've got to, you know, cover yourself. Um, And, you know, that's an amazing opportunity on a daily basis to be whoever you want to be. You can change up who you are. You can dress for the job that you want, not for the one you've got. You can experiment and you can... You know, I remember there were times, especially in my 20s, where I was like, right, I'm not going to wear these types of clothes now because, you know, I am now an adult professional woman and that's the way I want the world to see me. And, you know, I was able to do that with clothes. How amazing is that? It's like a superpower. It really is. So I think that that is why clothes are important. Catherine saw my sexy Santa outfit. My very flammable, very cheap, sexy Santa outfit this Christmas. Yes, I do. I'm just seeing if I can muster the confidence to show the world that that's who I am all year round because I think it looks bloody good on me. It's wasted on one day a year. (laughs) To be honest, Laura, you do like a costume. (laughs) I feel like there could be one for Easter. You know, Midsummer might have an option to, you know. (laughs) Do you find a theme quite... (laughs) freeing in a way exactly but then that's the thing I love a theme so I do dress around a theme ever such a lot so if I'm going away to Italy it's all Dolce Vita you know that is it's all packed it's all in there if I'm going to New York I'm like a lot of black city slicking great coats if I'm going away to California or whatever it's you know something that feels very coastal and soft and you know a little bit more bohemian and on a daily basis I have that as well I'm like right today I'm feeling very x y or z and I dress to that theme and I think that's a really exciting thing. I actually really disagree with the idea that one's sense of style is a sort of a uniform and actually I think it can change with your mood where you are what the circumstances are and actually I don't particularly love a costume I just happen to think that one looks good on me <laughs> I'm just vain. what about some, some gingham costumes I mean that that would also work okay right. <laughs> <laughs> moving on anyway but yes no I do I absolutely agree with you like there isn't one set in stone you've got your signature style And, you know, you've hit 35 and if you haven't found it by then, oh dear, you're not a stylish person. I mean, it's all got to be an evolution. And during the times that I was pregnant, I felt like I wanted to be very 70s, softer, more feminine. That was just like the feeling that came from within. And as soon as I was like post-breastfeeding, I wanted like a really severe fringe cut back in and I wanted to wear more structured clothes and feel a little bit more masculine. And that's normal right it's not like I'm not one or the other like I have a spectrum of you know different things for all the different versions of you there are outfits and aesthetic vibes that you can follow I think also that's another Instagram thing as well because you're rewarded for consistency and that's what helps you build a personal brand and 
providing your followers with what they're expecting is kind of the name of the game. But I've personally always rebelled against that because, you know, I think it's great to sometimes be a little bit, you know, short dress, a bit saucy, but then wear a three-piece suit as well because that's what I fancy wearing that day. And that's got to be, you're not just one or the other. You're not just one thing. I think that's something that's really important. Catherine Ormerod, I have so many more questions for you, but luckily I, for luckily for me, I can call you one of my best friends. So I will just WhatsApp them to you. Ask me anytime, babe. <laughs> <laughs> She's good with advice is this one. But listen, Catherine, thank you for your generosity and your time and for being today's guest on Why I Wear It. Love you to bits and everyone should follow you. Thank you so much for having me, Laura. Oh, yes. Follow me at Catherine underscore Ormerod, not Catherine Grazia. <laughs> exactly. The amount of people that thought Grazia was my surname, by the way, back in the day. <laughs> Shocking. Is <laughs> A PR once said to me, isn't it crazy that your surname's the same as the magazine that you work for? <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. But anyway, there we go. That, that, that's my handle. Come find me. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> A huge thank you to Catherine Ormerod for being my guest today. I urge you to check out her book, Why Social Media is Ruining Your Life, and follow her on Instagram at Catherine underscore Ormerod. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot. Please rate and review Grazia Fashion, Why I Wear It, wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps people to find us. I'm Laura Antonia Jordan. It's been an absolute privilege. Thank you for joining us and I'll see you next time. 